Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in to the Brudano's Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by not only... My co-host Aaron Riley, but also joined by two fantastic gentlemen um, from the level, the Playing Field Sports Podcast, Dave and John. Dave, and John, how are we doing tonight? Good. How are you guys? Pretty good. Appreciate you guys joining uh, all the way from outside Mississauga, Ontario, a little far from uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'll say that. But uh, hope you guys are doing well tonight. Like I said, appreciate you joining. And uh, how did you guys start your podcast? Well, basically, uh, I. Uh... We do, we've been doing like a weekly trivia on Zoom with all of our friends and then the trivia would end and we'd still be on talking about anything and everything, sports, life, how much we like each other, how much we hate each other. That's, you know, what friends <laughs> do the usual banter and uh, it commonly ended up with Dave and I being on the Zoom call, uh, the two of us at the end of it and we would still continue conversations and then one day Dave shot a message is like, hey, I got this idea. Would you ever consider doing a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I, I think I do that. And then this is sort of like where we are with it. Uh, Dave, you want to add your end of uh, stuff there? Oh, that's basically what it is. I've started listening to, I always like look down on podcasts for a long time. I just thought <laughs> of like the, like the NPR podcast and shit like that. And yeah. I thought it was super douchey, but then I'd like found some that I liked and uh, I was like, Hey, I could, well, I can't do it as well as these guys, but I might be able to do a half decent job at it. So give it a shot. Yeah, no, love it. I mean, same, same thing for Aaron and I. Aaron just kind of shot me a text randomly out of the blue. We grew up together uh, back home in, in PA and shot me a text. And we, we shoot the shit about sports all the time. And um, that's kind of how we got started too, but but love to hear it. Um, so tonight, folks, we're going to get into some, some NFL topics. Obviously, break and all things divisional round recap and kind of wherever – the show takes us. Aaron has a fiery, spicy take in the queue here about Aaron Rodgers and his overall legacy, so we'll certainly get to that tonight. Uh, but let's start with uh, division round recap. Start with the Bengals versus the Titans. Bengals obviously take a tight one, 19-16, to 16 with Evan McPherson uh, smacking a last-second field goal there to take the victory. Aaron, we'll start with you before we get to our friends from Love of the Playing Field. What are your overall takeaways from this game? I think you had picked uh, the Bengals actually last week or a couple weeks ago on our podcast. So good on you, my friend. What are your overall takeaways from uh, from this matchup? Yeah, I, I figured it was going to be like a dogfight. Um, you know, Derrick Henry kind of got going early, and I was like, you know, this is kind of Tennessee's game to win if, if they take it. But, um, you know, the Joe Burrow magic continues. He's just he's in his second year, obviously – Coming off the ACL tear, he's just an absolute stud. I mean, Jamar Chase has, you know, five catches for a buck buck nine. Like, they just – they do what they do. I mean, what, Burrow was sacked like eight or nine times. Nine uh, times, yeah. Yeah, nine times. Um, and and like the, the Eagles offensive line. <laughs> just about. Just just about. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Bengals committed more turnovers. They allowed more sacks, and they still come out of there with a win. It, it's impressive. Uh, I think you tr- you credit their defense, though. I mean, Tennessee was one for eight on third down. I mean, obviously, Ryan Tannehill throwing the first pass of the game, throwing a pick, and then ending the game with a pick. I mean, it, it, it's brutal for, for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, that's it's one of those opportunities, like, they pissed away, in my opinion. Like, they had home field advantage, but, uh, you know, the Bengals are the hot hand, and, uh, you know, they continue to have success. Yeah, 100%. Dave, and, and we're talking about Ryan, Ryan Tannehill and, and – um... You know, obviously that you see quarterbacks like Mahomes, Allen, Joe Burrow, Brady, Stafford, all these guys are obviously here for a reason. Rodgers, you can throw in that category. He kind of seems to me like 
out of all quarterbacks from this past, maybe throwing Jimmy Garoppolo because, you know, he stinks out loud as well. But um, it seems like in this league, if you don't have a top 10 guy, uh, you're not going to get far in the playoffs. Do you, do you think that Tannehill kind of has what it takes to get – I mean, Titans defense obviously played phenomenally, but um, it seems to me that Tannehill is kind of the Achilles heel. Do you think he has what it takes to, you know, get them across the finish line or even further um, from where they are this year, you know, moving forward? I think it mostly depends on Derrick Henry, right? Like if he's healthy and doing what he does, then Ryan Tannehill can kind of just take a back seat and go off the ride more or less. Um, but when he's coming off an injury and he just has a pedestrian 62 yards on 20 carries or something like that, whatever he had, then when you're counting on Tannehill to carry more of a load, he just probably didn't have it. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and I don't want to overstate kind of Joe Burrow, understate kind of Joe Burrow's performance. And I think it's there. It's the Bengals' first road playoff win in like 30 years. Um, I think I saw that stat. So, um, John, are you are you kind of surprised just by overall transformation of this Bengals franchise? I mean, last year, Joe Burrow tears the ACL. They don't win. They only win a handful of games. And this year, make it to the AFC Championship game. And I guess outside of Joe Burrow, what can you attribute this to? Or is it mostly just – you know, kind of been on the shoulders of, of Burrow? Um, I would say that it's probably like a combination of uh, success. Like obviously Joe Mixon having his best year ever, I would say that yeah. like he's kind of been like a guy that they've said, you know, he's ready to take the next step for like three or four seasons. And this year he seemed to have done that. Uh, really helped out Joe Burrow with like having a, a running game, having like an outlet when he can't get it to his receivers Honestly, getting Jamar Chase onto the Bengals this year, I think that's a major difference. Like, that's instant chemistry with a guy he's been throwing the ball to for years. Like, you look at some of the plays that they're making, and that's, like, developed over years of chemistry between, like, a pro quarterback and then a wide receiver. Like, Matt Ryan and Julio in Atlanta, for example. Like, they worked on that chemistry, and then, like, it was, like, clockwork, where now that Jamar Chase has entered the team, they already had that rapport. They didn't have to build that. It was already there. They knew the timing. He knows that when Joe looks like this or when Jamar makes that step, like that's where he's got to deliver the ball. So I think there's a lot of that going along with the success of Joe Burrow. I don't think anyone's going to doubt that Joe Burrow is a talented quarterback, but to have those other things there to help him get across and obviously the defense getting hot in the playoffs, that's a trend for a lot of teams. When the defense gets hot, it kind of makes it easier for the offense as well. So Cincinnati seems to have a, a formula right now that not a lot of teams are ready for. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And it goes back to kind of the age-old debate from last year's draft of, do the Bengals take Jamar Chase or do the Bengals take, take Panay Sewell? And I kind of know where Aaron stands on this topic because we talked it ad nauseum just about, do you take an O-line or do you take a receiver? And I'll flip this back to you, Dave and John. And, and I'm, a, I'm a Jets fan, so... Um, feel free to get out, get out all Jets jokes throughout this podcast if, if you want to. And um, we've had a, a dearth of, of receiving talent and offensive line talent over the years. So I, I am by no means qualified to talk on this topic, but um, it seems to be paying off for the Bengals in, in waves. Um, obviously taking a guy like Jamar Chase, who you said, John, had a ton of chemistry coming in with a guy like Joe Burrow. So um, do you think they, they obviously made the right decision? Do you think that teams in the future if they're kind of weighing like like for the Jets for example having the fourth pick and the tenth pick plenty of offensive line talent on the board early plenty of receiver talent on the, on the board early do you think teams probably look to go after the Bengals model shore up those pass catching guys first and then kind of look to shore up the offensive line after the fact um, I would say that as successful as this has been in Cincinnati we can give the Jacksonville example where Trevor Lawrence has Travis Etienne like teammates as well like obviously got injured, but like going off the rails a bit there. Right. So for every successful tale in the NFL, there's one of caution as well. So I think it's really going to have to look back at the roster and what you're trying to do. And a lot of the times, like you're going to try to make a splash with your, with your pick, especially like with the jets, I would say that they, they need something to like make them attractive again. Like they tried <laughs> it with Zach Wilson. Like he's had some flashes, but like yeah. had an up and down year. I think to, to build the brand again and make them look like they've got something going on, they got to go to something that's sexier, like taking a lineman, like as tried and true as that can be. If you don't got those guys on the outside to make plays, like it doesn't matter if you have an O-line because no one cares about them uh, aside from like the people who cheer for that team. Like I couldn't tell you one offensive lineman or center that's playing for the Jets right now. <laughs> Neither can I. I'm a fan of the team. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I think as much as people like to like copy what's successful, it really comes down to like you have to do what's right for your roster, right? Like just because this situation was successful, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen again. Like this is a unique situation, and people kind of people at first were saying, "Oh, yeah, of course they're taking him because they played together," but then you had the detractors who were saying, "Well." Um, it's probably not going to work out. You need more protection, but like when you have a situation that kind of just breaks out so perfectly like this, you can't ex- always expect that to transfer to another situation, right? So, <clears throat> if you have Zach Wilson running around for his fucking life all the time, you probably want to get an alignment. Plus, you have two high picks; you can do both, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I certainly want them to do both. Will they do both? Probably now. Probably take another safety and. Uh, like a linebacker and they'll be off the team in a couple of years, but uh, it's just no. such as life as a Jets fan, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to add quickly to that. Um, obviously they had gaps in both places. If they went after the receiver, right. They went for like a very talented receiver, but like, if we look at what happened on, uh, was it yesterday? Was it yesterday? It seems like eight years ago, it those does. games like took years off my life. Um that he got sacked nine times. So, right, clearly, like, there is a hole there that they need to address. So whether they do it in the same draft because your team's not as great, like the Jets are just going to pile on right now. Keep going. (laughs) Or uh, you got to do it two years in a row. Like, it wouldn't be a shock to now see them go after um, alignment in the first round, maybe the second round there to shore up their line and protect Joe a bit more. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Aaron, we'll get a last word about the Titans here, and then we'll obviously move on. Um, where does where does this team kind of go from here? Obviously, coming as the one seed, um, I think a lot of people had higher expectations. I, I thought myself that, that the Titans were going to ultimately win this game. And um, Tannehill throwing three picks, you mentioned before, the first throw of the game, obviously an interception, then him forcing that last ball at the end, Eli Apple. Um, someone they pulled off the scrap heap ended up coming with a big play there. So where does this team go from here? And and I know the guys here at, at level of playing, playing field, uh, you know, hit on earlier. It, it kind of seems like Derrick Henry, if he's healthy, that's as far as this team's going to go, as far as they're going to, uh, he's going to take them as far as they're going to go. But um, what do you think needs to be done for this team to be successful next year? Yeah, it's, it's extremely tough to say uh, just because like they have Tannehill locked up till 2024 and he's making, you know, an average of 30 mil a year. Um, is he worth 30 mil a year? I don't think he is. Uh, he's more like a, you know, maybe a better game manager than than some. Uh, but that's like his ceiling. And that's been like his story, I would say. He can put up good numbers in the regular season and things. But like like they, uh, everybody said, um, to, to really piggyback off of that, like if you can't run the ball very effectively with Derrick Henry, like you're in a world of trouble. Because if you count on you know, Tannehill to, to win the game for you, that's probably not going to happen. So, I mean, going forward, it's tough because they, they've surrounded Tannehill with talent. Even, you know, you mentioned A.J. Brown, you mentioned uh, Julio, and then obviously Derrick Henry. I, I guess you try and upgrade the defense um, just because you can't really – unless you get Tannehill off the off the team in some way or another, I, I don't see how they get much better um, and, and really make that, that next – they're a good team, but they're not a great team, and, and – they've continued to kind of show that over the last couple of years. Yeah. I was going to say they're, they're not really like a true one seed, right? Like they right. beat up, they beat up all these shitty teams in the AFC South. They have fucking some, ter- I was just going over their schedule. They have some terrible losses. They lost to the bears. They lost to the jets. They yes. lost to the Texans, <laughs> right? Like they lost to the Patriots, which is a little bit better. They lost to yeah. our, my Steelers. Oh, um, Steelers fan. There you go. Uh, yeah. So I, they they beat up on a ton of weak opponents and ended up with a better record than everyone else. But like to think that to call them the one seed and think that they're better than like KC or something, it's just like it's not true, right? So it's not like as much as like Cincinnati was a lower seed, they're more equal than their records would make you think. Yeah, it was a weird uh, kind of AAC regular season. I think you know Buffalo obviously got off to the hot start. Um, they kind of tailed off. They had that bad loss to Jacksonville. Kansas City um, took a while for them to kind of find their stride. So, um, yeah, to, to your point, they, they did have some bad losses. They probably were just a product of, of their schedule. And I think Vrabel is is a good coach, um, and I think they definitely have the foundation there. And, you know, Arthur Smith, Matt LaFleur, guys out of his system have gotten picked off in recent years. And 
it's just a testament to him that he's, he's pumping out these great coaches left and right. So I have no doubt he'll eventually get them on the path to winning. It's just you got to solve the biggest, you know, most important position in sports, which is the quarterback position. So um, maybe they trade for somebody. Maybe Aaron Rodgers goes there. Maybe they get Deshaun Watson. I don't know, I'm just throwing some stuff out there. Maybe they trade for Jalen Hurts and Aaron's freed from from the shackles there. But uh, who knows? So interesting to see what happens in, in the offseason. Um, great game for sure. I think Casey ultimately stomps them, stomps Cincinnati in the, the AFC Championship game. But we'll certainly get to that, obviously. And Aaron, starting with our next game here, um, 49ers at uh, the Packers. Taking him down in Lambeau, thirteen to ten, uh, pocket a punt to ultimately tie it up, and then Robbie Gold um, somehow still in the league at age like sixty-seven. It feels like um, coming in the clutch there in the cold. Um, take it away. I know you have some hot takes about Aaron Rodgers. Would love to get to that at some point. But uh, what are your ultimate takeaways from this game? Yeah, I think um, obviously the the 49ers are, are big time on defense. I mean, like Bosa, you know those boys just they get after the quarterback. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, Jimmy G, I mean, he, he talk about like less than a game manager. He he just didn't do much of anything, uh, and somehow still comes out with the the victory. I mean, they tried to run the ball, they the, that uh, the 49ers, and and they didn't even run the ball that effectively. But um, like like the old saying goes, uh, defense wins championships. They're kind of proving that that's their their recipe. Um, you know, just hold hold the other team. You know, do enough. Uh, and, and we knew all year that the Packers special teams was a, obviously an area of concern and, and it comes out in the worst way possible, uh, obviously in the playoffs, in the, in a divisional round, um, obviously we can get into Aaron Rodgers and things like that, but, um, yeah, it was just, uh, one of those, one of those dogfight games. I mean, it's a, it's a cold, I think it was like zero at one point or feels like zero at, at Lambeau and, uh, for the 49ers to come out and, and really, you know, shut the door on the Packers in the second half. Um, it, it was kind of impressive. Now, can they go beat the Rams? I think, you know, I think they have a chance because it's like division, but, uh, and those teams know each other like the back of, of their hand. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I give a little bit of credit to Kyle Shanahan. I mean, obviously going into to Lambeau, that was a tough one and, and they come out with the win. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to hear what, what everybody else feels about, about that one. Yeah, John, so, I mean, 10 points out of the Packers' offense, this high-powered offense, so to speak. I mean, if you look at the targets just for Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams alone, I think it was like 21 times between the two of them and then six um, for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' pass catchers. It seems to me that when all else fails, the 49ers knew where he was going to go. I mean, the the one play at the end when he threw the bomb to Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard was like wide open for like a 15-yard in route. Um, it seems that he's just playing hero ball and kind of disobeys or just plays outside the system. And I, I think 10 points at home is inexcusable, but would just kind of love your overall thoughts on kind of how he played and, and you know, what the Packers can expect, like even, even next year with the impending, you know, media circus that's bound to kind of hit, you know, Green Bay this offseason. Yeah, uh, well, my prediction was that the Packers were going to go to the Super Bowl, beat the Chiefs, and then Aaron Rodgers was going to retire. So that's kind (laughs) of how I saw this playing out, right? He got a second championship, has nothing left to prove, doesn't have to go and, like, learn a whole new setup at another organization. Clearly wrong, so I got to eat my humble pie on that. Um, I remember just checking the score, and it was, like, 7-3 at one point. I'm like, what's going on here? I thought that if Green Bay was going to take this, that it would have been done in a convincing manner. And the fact that the 49ers could keep it close um, really spelled trouble. And um, as a lot of people know, follow football, the 49ers just seem to own the Packers and that has continued to live on. And the, uh, yeah, it seems like he, for whatever reason, the Packers can't seem to get over the hump there, like getting to the NFC championship and this time didn't even get there. But the idea that they, can string all the success together so many years in a row and then get to a game and not have some sort of plan and some way to sort of like alter the trajectory of that game to have it fall into their favor. It's not, it's no secret. Like you were mentioning there, Aaron, that um, Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams are ta- target vacuums for Aaron Rodgers, And I think the 49ers knew that and said, okay, like we're going to only give you that. Cause we know that's what you're going to do. And uh even when, even when he's had success against other teams, the 49ers has got the personnel that can kind of get in their way. They've won ugly a bunch of times, and they continue to win ugly. Um, I was saying to Dave when we were recording that uh, people forget that the 49ers won the Super Bowl two seasons ago. Yep. So I think that um, for as 
like weird as they they had their season and how they got into the playoffs like the team is well constructed on defense and they have enough offensive skill and planning from Kyle Shanahan to sort of game plan for any team I think we're seeing that this playoffs yeah Dave to, to John's point Jimmy G talking about him for a second you know the two years that he's been healthy as a starter he's gone to the Super Bowl um, which is crazy to, to even say out loud um is he like the luckiest guy in the world or does he like have actual talent? I, I feel like he's like one of the toughest quarterback you know, evaluations out there. I mean, his, his stats are that game 11 for 19, 131 yards and, a, and an interception. The stats, you know, would lead me to believe that, you know, he is certainly not the guy moving forward. Obviously they drafted Charlene at number three overall in last year's draft, but um, and of the quarterbacks who are left in the playoffs, I by far have the least amount of confidence in him, but it seems that in the playoffs for whatever reason, whether it's Kyle Shanahan, the players around him, he seems, and he seems to get it done along with his team. So um, what do you think we can expect? I mean, obviously next week, and um, is this just a product of the system or is he actually like somewhat good? I think that you, what you saw this week against uh, Green Bay is what you're just going to keep seeing every time he steps on the field. They're going to try and manage him so that he limit his mistakes and let their like three headed monster at running back, Debo and Eli and whoever else they have back there, just do all the heavy lifting. Kind of like the same same thing we were saying about uh, Tennessee, and like hope that uh, like Shanahan is always has such a great game plan. And he can turn anybody into a thousand yard rusher, just like his dad. Like anybody who he has on his team, it just turns into this great running back. Um, and they have a ton of like great defensive players too. Right? They're just a great all around team. And the the one thing they're whereas like a lot of these other teams in the playoffs, they're like quarterback heavy, and then they maybe have like so Cincinnati, right? The their quarterback and the wide receivers are great, but they kind of have flaws everywhere else. They're built backwards, whereas they have all these great players at other positions and quarterbacks is what they're is kind of like holding them back. And if they try to game plan to, so that he doesn't fuck it up. for them. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think Odell said it uh, after the game. Um, I think that, you know, basically when these two teams line up, it's almost like a pro bowl with obviously like Kittle Warner Debo guys like that. And then you have Von Miller, uh, you know, Stafford, Cooper cup, OBJ, all these guys, Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the ball, but Aaron, I'll throw it back to you for one last Aaron Rodgers take. Um, I mean, is this guy done in the playoffs? Is this his kind of legacy? The last couple of years here, obviously falling short in the playoffs. I mean, a guy that won a ring early um, and, and really hasn't gotten done, obviously, since the, the 2010 season. There's a lot of success, obviously, in the regular season. Uh, but, but you know, what is kind of your take on, I guess, his, his playoff legacy? And is, is the last time we'll see him, I guess? Is this the last time we'll see him in, like, you know, this far in the playoffs. Yeah, I can't say like this is the last time we'll see him this far in the playoffs because he's he's proven year in and year out that he can get to the playoffs, but he's also proven year in and year out that he he just can't get it done in the playoffs. Like since since the Super Bowl, he's seven and nine in playoff games. I don't think that's you know absolutely elite by any measure. So um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, obviously the guys he's one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen play, but at the same time, he's probably one of the most frustrating if you're a if you're a Green Bay fan, I mean, yeah, you got to be grateful that he got you the ring. But, I mean, that's going on, like, what, 10, 12 years ago now. So, it's – I mean, at some point, it's – I mean, you either get it done or you don't. Not to say that there's, you know, that Tom Brady's growing trees, and I can't – I personally can't stand Tom Brady. I, I hate him. But, uh, yeah, he uh, – there's a reason he has, what, six or seven, seven Super Bowls and, and Rodgers. Like, if Rodgers had two or three, I'd give him a lot more credit. But it's just, like – I, it's just tough to say that, you know, he's the guy when, when you go to the playoffs and continuously lose, like for one reason or another, I, I, I understand he hasn't had absolutely elite defenses for, for quite some time. And, you know, other than Devonte Adams, I mean, you still have a good running back and Aaron Jones is one of the better running backs. Uh, I think Lazard can play. Like, I, I just, I don't know. It's disappointing because I know the talents there and I know like how smart of a, of a quarterback he is. And it's just, it's frustrating that he's just not good enough in the playoffs to me. That's, that's where I'm at with it. I feel I feel that. Uh, I, at one point, I got a text over the weekend that, that Aaron would rather have Eli Manning um, than Aaron Rodgers. So uh, Yikes. He, he did, he oh, did caveat that and say that uh, <laughs> just big games, big games only, which I guess you could 
make a case for that, but there were, you know, 10 times that Eli did not make the playoffs slash got eliminated from the playoffs in the first round, but I, I didn't want to bring that up. Um, but Dave, Dave and John, um, I mean, just real quick, we're, I mean, I guess, A, do you think he's coming back to, to Green Bay next year? Or if not, um, you know, maybe throw out a couple of des- possible destinations for, for the guy. Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh. I'll take him, man. I think, I think winning the Super Bowl is fucking hard. And yeah. I think that a lot of times he was dragging very incomplete teams to the NFC Championship games. And I don't have this, the stats in front of me. I don't know that he always performed crazy well in those games, but I think that he was asked to make up for a lot of mis, uh, a lot of shortcomings on those teams that, you know, even if it, even if he played like really well all the way to like the last game and then he like, just couldn't like the guy's allowed to have a bad game and maybe someone on the other, someone else on the team can maybe pick up the slack a little bit sometimes. But when you're working with such small margins and whenever you're not great, your team's going to suck. Yeah, and uh, that just that just giving it to us raw there, Dave. That was really a really a profound there. Um, I I don't see him going to the Steelers. I don't think he wants to deal with the uh, the iron fist of Mike Tomlin and mm-hmm. deal with all of that kind of stuff. I think he's iron fist. In his he's career. a baby. He's a, he's a big baby. time player. Like, big time players coach. Man. He always talking about how he doesn't want players doing this. He's not concerned about that. I don't. Want, I don't think that you're thinking Bill Cowher, man. Tomlin's different. Tomlin's the opposite. Players coach. Yeah, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I, I just don't see that happening. I think they like the the, the banter of being opponents too much. I, I, I don't. I, I don't see it happening. I know they talked about Denver for a while. That John Elway loves. Uh, getting quarterbacks at the end of their career and hopefully yeah. squeezing a Super Bowl out of them. That was the rumor before the season started when he was holding out that Denver was calling pretty intently for him. So whether that happens, I would say like a team like Denver, um, we were just talking about San Francisco and I know that they still got Trey Lance in the wings, but if Jimmy G doesn't work out, you know that a, a West coast boy would love to get back to the West coast and maybe do it for a season and see if he can carry that team into the Super Bowl if they can't get it done with Jimmy G this year. So I, I would say Denver or San Fran are the places I could see him landing. He's not going to want to go to the team that passed him over in the draft to fucking like, – he's going to hold that grudge for the rest of his career. He's a petty bitch, man. I think I think he wants to be able to say that he owns them too, like how he owns the Bears. He wants the sound bites. He wants the narrative to say, you know what, you, you, bur- you burned me at the beginning, but I'm here to bring this franchise back to the promised land as only Aaron Rodgers could do. Aaron Rodgers goes back to the 49ers. Alex Smith comes out of retirement to back him up. That would be phenomenal <laughs> stuff. Um, Aaron mentioned Tom Brady um, in, in my favorite game of the weekend, um, just because of my loathing of the guy. Uh, but Bucks, uh, Rams, uh, Rams take a squeaker. Somehow it ended up being a squeaker, 30 to 27. Uh, Todd Bowles inexplicably um, blitzes with Cooper Cup's guy, gives free. Matt Stafford launches a bomb to set up, obviously, a field goal there at the end of the game. Um, Aaron, this this turned out to be, obviously, a close game. I thought it was going to be a snooze fest um, come the first quarter and first half. Um, this is a different Rams team than I think we saw the, the past couple of years, obviously, with Stafford there, and this D-line is, is absolutely insane. But um, I think when they were with 27-3, to um, uh, Buccaneers obviously coming back. Rams make some stupid, stupid mistakes. Um, did you have shades of, of Patriots Atlanta when you were watching this one? Dude, I, I swear to God, I, I was like tempted to put like fifty or hundred bucks on the on the Bucks when it was twenty-seven <laughs> to three. I was just like, why? Just like, just, yeah, it's like, nah. It's like you know, we'll hold off this time. But it was just like the Rams almost were trying to lose that game at one point. Like just how sloppy they were playing. Um, you know, credit to them. They got it done. I mean, my hat's off to Matthew Stafford. That guy just absolutely put the team on his back, obviously, on that last drive. Um, but Cam Akers, obviously, un- uncharacteristically puts the ball on the ground twice. Uh, could have, you know, th- both those could have killed him. Um, obviously, Cooper Cup's uncharacteristic uncha- fumble as well was, was pretty crazy. Um, I mean, Brady wasn't really – I wouldn't say Brady was at his his top – uh, at the top of his game on, on uh, what was that yesterday, Sunday, um, you know, he was thrown behind a couple, he threw behind a couple of people 
Uh, he missed Mike Evans a couple of times, uh, but that's kind of the result of, of, you know, it's been proven like nobody's perfect. If you, if you put pressure on anybody, they're going to start becoming a little bit rattled. And that's exactly what you saw the, the Rams do. And I thought that was going to be the, the difference maker in the game is if, if they can get to Brady, they have a very good chance to win. Um, but I didn't, I didn't fully trust Matt Stafford coming in. I was like, you know, we haven't really seen this guy in a, in a game quite to this magnitude, obviously just playing for the, for the shitbag lines for so long. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Ram Rams got it done and really in all phases of the game, uh, just, it was absolutely terrifying when it, when it was a seven point game, I thought the Bucks were going to win. I, I just had that, that feeling that, uh, you know, somehow, some way that the Rams were going to piss it away. And that, that would have been a colossal failure like for the ages, but obviously they, uh, they got it done and, and credit to Matt Stafford really on that last drive. Yeah, no, I, I mean, if the if the Buccaneers would have come back and wanted, you guys would not be seeing me right now. I think I'd be in a ditch somewhere. Um, <laughs> but th- thank God the Rams ended up coming back and winning. And yeah. the Rams and, and Dave, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Aaron and I have have kind of loved Matt Stafford from afar, um, just over the years, not just since we started this podcast, but just over the years in general. And um, obviously, got a raw deal just just being a part of that Lions organization for so long, and the inability to provide good coaching and good players around him outside of a couple like like CJ and, and some guys like that. But um, what do you think this means for kind of his legacy and, and being with an offensive genius in McVay and, you know, having a lights out defense, um, but, but in, just in general, having a lot of weapons and, and being in a really good situation. And um, do you think this, you know, ultimately, you know, provides him with the confidence to kind of go over the top here and, and take this to the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. I have the 49ers winning this game. So it'll like his legacy will depend on, like uh, how how if he's able to make it to the Super Bowl and obviously if they win, otherwise he's probably just going to be seen as another guy who fell short. I don't know how much of a raw deal you get being in Detroit when you keep signing contracts. Like you get a left <laughs> like three different times, right? So I don't know. He's a <laughs> yeah. He's a he's great passer. Had the good luck of having probably the best wide receiver of all time on his team for good chunk of time and yeah yeah no it's it's true I, and I just conversely John and, and Brady and obviously a different situation different tune coming out of out of Tampa and, and um, I think Bruce Arians rightly so Todd Bowles rightly so left which to a certain extent are all kind of catching heat now after kind of being the golden boys for the last for the last year or so um, since they did win that Super Bowl and um, Brady kind of, you know, was unclear about his future um, to the media. Obviously, he's not going to come out and tell anyone after a loss what he's doing next year and beyond. But um, I know he's, he's a free agent and, and the future is kind of looking grim for the Buccaneers as they have to pay a lot of these guys and, and things like that. But um, just what are your takeaways from, from Brady? I don't think ultimately this was his fault by any stretch of the imagination. It just kind of seemed that the team around him, um, at least early on, certainly, you know, didn't play up to expectations yesterday. Yeah, uh, I would say that that's a, an accurate statement. I would also say that in a game of turnovers, like we watched the Titans and Ryan Tannehill have all those picks and how that really affected their chances of winning the game. And conversely, like on the opposite side here, like the Rams had a ton of turnovers and still sort of overcame them to get a W, right? So I think that goes to sort of like the testament of a team and what they're, they're built for. And uh, they almost didn't happen. Right. Like, I don't know if like how many games you've watched Matt Stafford play in, but like to give him 40 something seconds at the end of a game and say, all right, let's get you down the field for a potential game winning field goal. Like Matt Stafford, as great as he is, like I've seen him throw the ball away, throw it way, way over his target, throw it out of bounds, miss this guy, get tackled for a loss like there's been so many instances of that that have played in his head so like good for him for working past that but like the fact that that happened like I don't think that that was like a thing that we can bank on Matthew Stafford doing moving forward like I think that was like his like one shining moment if we're going to play the music from March Madness like that was it (laughs) like he doesn't have another one of those in him we've also seen like the worst of Matt Stafford doing their brutal run during the regular season where they kind of like went from contenders to like falling off the map. Yeah. So it's going to be, can he execute the game plan they have in place? Can their running game show up? 
can all the things that they've done to assemble a team around Matthew Stafford, like let's not make any illusions here that they didn't buy this team and put it together, right? Like they had Cooper cup there already a good receiver. They had decent running back and came acres. And then they, he, they lost him to his Achilles and they had like kind of like a vacuum at running back. They went out and got OBJ. They went up and shore their defense with Jalen Ramsey last year. They did it again with Von Miller. They already have Aaron Donald, right? So like they have all these pieces in place and then obviously getting Matthew Stafford an upgrade over Jared Goff to sort of like push them over the edge. Like I'm still not overly convinced that Matthew Stafford is on the same level of the other quarterbacks that we're going to talk about um, very shortly in the next game. Um, so do they have a chance of winning the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Because that team in all phases, top to bottom is a pretty stacked roster but it's not going to be just because Matthew Stafford put the team on his back and is taking them there. It's way more than that. I think. Phenomenal breakdown right there. And Aaron, real, real, real quick before we get to it's obviously Chiefs bills, J- Jared Goff, just what was he doing? I mean, just bottle of liquor in his hand, lights off in the basement in front of the TV, just drowning in his sorrows probably. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, at the same time, um, I mean, he, he got, he got them to the, to the Super Bowl, like, you know, credit to, to their, their points there, um, you know, uh, the, the team's been stacked. I think Sean McVay should get a lot of credit, but uh, that team like, made me extremely nervous. I mean, we've we've seen them turn the ball over like a million, billion times uh, over the past, you know, what, six, seven weeks, and then this game. So, uh, like, like to their point, um, you know, if you do that against the 49ers, you're probably in trouble. I mean, they're going to try and hold the time of possession game and, and – and just run the ball down your throat all, all game long. So if you turn the ball over two, three times, um, you might be in a world of hurt. But uh, the roster is stacked. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's Jared Goff probably probably uh, wallowing in his sorrows for sure. But uh, talking about a guy that's just not – he's just not the guy. So get him out of there. Get, get Stafford at least. Forget two or three times. You throw the ball away once, that could be it. Right. Yeah. The margin for error is going to be so so small in the next game. Matt Stafford can't be regular Matt Stafford. He has to be the best version of Matt Stafford. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, just before uh, we, we move on, I know you asked me about Tom Brady, and I said zero things about Tom Brady. That's just a classic classic question, Dodge. I was just going to say that <laughs> Tom Brady is not a liar. Like He hasn't really ever lied. He said he wanted to play to 45. He's 44. Yeah. So if this is it for Tom Brady, like – Good for him. He's like seven rings. He has nothing to to really hang his head down on. He's had a very successful career, maybe arguably the most successful career. So if uh, this is it for him because Tampa Bay has got to blow it up, then so be it. He'll be all right. Hey, maybe maybe him to the Titans. Get rid of Tannehill. Give out his <laughs> buddy Rabel. Who knows? Um, and then arguably the last game, um, obviously that, that we want to get to that, that, you know, John said it, you know, took years off his life. I, I can agree. Chiefs over the bills, 42, 36 in, in overtime and might be recency bias here at one of the best, if not the best, you know, playoff games I've ever seen, maybe outside of the Super Bowl. Um, just really once the, I think the, you know, second half of the third quarter hit, um, uh, back and forth action, no matter what Josh Allen throwing four touchdowns to Gabriel Davis, Patrick Mahomes doing um, not Patrick Mahomes things, especially in the beginning of the game, just finding ways to get yards, obviously with the first drive of the game. I think he had almost 50 rushing yards in that drive alone, spreading the ball around to legitimately everybody. Tyree Kill being the fastest human alive. Andy Reid having some dumb play calls and having some phenomenal play calls and just the number one defense in the Bills became the 32 ring defense, I think, in the matter of a couple of minutes. I think this game had legitimately everything. Um, Dave, would love to start with you. I feel like there's a million different ways we could take this conversation, but just give me a couple of things that you loved watching yesterday. What what kind of stood out to you? AC is just too too good. Like it's insane. The fact, like just the way that they go, they go from doing nothing to just being unstoppable and like the uh, drop of a hat. Like you go back to even like last week against Pittsburgh. I know a much lesser opponent, but like they balled them up for a quarter and a half. They even scored a defensive touchdown, and then they just were like, okay, I guess I'm going to try now. And, just, and they didn't stop in the rest of the game. <clears throat> and then yesterday, you get down to two minutes left, and every time the Bills did something, they had an answer. They fucking – in overtime, the 
it just, they basically just walked down the field and did whatever the hell they wanted to them without the Bills even putting up much of a fight. <clears throat> I would be shocked if either of these next two games are even close. I think the Chiefs are just so much better than everybody else that they're just going to destroy the Bengals and destroy whoever comes out of the NFC. And, like, the Super Bowl's already been decided at this point. Yeah, 100%. I think I, I was on this wave last year a little bit too, and then obviously they had some, you know, pretty bad injuries to their offensive line, and the Bucks defense was just insane last year. But it, I almost equate them to, like, the Golden State Warriors. Like, once the third quarter hits and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are just being the Splash Brothers, it's almost like – Patrick Mahomes just puts on the band and, and just drains it from three every every single game. And um, Josh, Josh Allen, to me, to me, John, I think this. I mean, obviously not his his coming out party. We knew what he was kind of last year, but just the transformation we've seen from you know a, a rocky to awful rookie season to now in year four, just being an absolute stud and um, being someone you can build around for the next fifteen to, to hopefully twenty years. Hopefully, he's in the league. Um, for that long and Mahomes conversely this is almost like the Manning and Brady um, kind of rivalry we saw in the AFC years ago Um, if you're any other team in like the AFC are you just if your guys aren't you know even close to these guys are you just you know trying to immediately find their replacement like what what can we expect from these two guys like the next 10 years Uh, I think that to expect less now will be a disappointment after what they've done and hopefully they can maintain this Um, as a Chargers fan I get to live with KC twice a year and we split with them. (laughs) Uh, We got a pretty good guy ourselves with Justin Herbert out there and uh, he can do a lot of other things that they can do. I'm not saying that he's the same, but he can do a lot. It's got tons of arm talent, can make any throw. He's also able to run Um, to make the, the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady comparison to Allen and Mahomes. I get it because they were like the two quarterbacks in the AFC, but they're completely different players, like far more athletic far more mobile. Um, They can do way more things than Peyton Manning and Tom Brady um, can at the quarterback position. Um, Not discounting Peyton Manning or Tom Brady at all. It's just, they're different quarterbacks Um, to go to your point about Josh Allen and sort of like having a really rocky start. I think that's coaching. I can, in, in a system and believing in a system and then also like getting people in there that can help them. Like they got Cole Beasley they got Stefan Diggs. They got some guys that they picked up with like Knox, their tight end. Gabriel Davis, obviously going off. Yep. Right. Um, who else? The guy They got Emmanuel Sanders this year, right. Just like different guys that are getting in there to sort of like get Josh Allen ready to be the best quarterback he can be. They're not just like sitting and like watching him figuring it out on his own. So that's really exciting for the bills, a place that hasn't had a lot to be happy about in a long time. So that's nice to see. Obviously Buffalo's like, team that's closest to us so we, we get tons of buffalo bills coverage where we are um so yeah if this is what continues to happen like that's great let them do this in like the wild card round the divisional round and then the charges meet them later on and we beat them up later so that's kind of where i'm at with it exciting to watch though i, I said this when we were recording that this was the game of the playoffs for me nothing will top what happened sunday night the fact that he did that Patrick Mahomes in 13 seconds and Dak Prescott ran and then couldn't get the, <laughs> the ball clock to, to win their game is a testament to like who a better quarterback is and like a better run team, better play calls, all of that on top of like how unstoppable they look on, on offense. And the bills did too. Like Josh Allen had like 300 yards and four touchdowns, right? Yeah. Like that's like most games you're going to win if your quarterback does that and they didn't. So testament to KC as much as I hate saying that as a Chargers <laughs> fan, but like, damn, you, you just got to recognize an, an, um, an exceptional effort. Yeah, you got to tip your cap for sure. Um, and, and yeah, you guys are lucky if Herbert. I, I would take Herbert in, a, in an absolute heartbeat. Um, but Aaron and, and John mentioned the 13 seconds. And I, I was kind of surprised that Buffalo didn't, didn't squib kick there and maybe take a couple seconds off the clock. And then again, you know, the, the first play, you know, to, to, um, the second play, I should say, to Kelsey to get them into field goal range. He just was let, let off free um, from the line of scrimmage and ran just way up the seam and um, got to within like a 47, 48-yard field goal. Um, is that just, I mean, obviously kind of the heat of the moment, you know, Buffalo may potentially not, you know, having all their, their P's and Q's or just a lack of execution. Just what, what can you kind of say? Obviously a lot's happening and no one in, in the in the world, probably besides Andy Reid and Benjamin Holmes and, and that team thought that they were going to, getting a field range in 13 seconds, but is this kind of like a miscue on, 
obviously McDermott and kind of that coaching staff there for letting for even letting that happen. I mean, I think I think a little bit. Obviously, it's like big time players make big time plays, and and not to say that the Bill, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the Chiefs, but you just got to find a way to slow them down there. I mean, 13 seconds is just not much time, and you obviously you know how dangerous Patrick Mahomes is. You know how dangerous. Like Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, all all those guys. It seems like insert anybody on the Chiefs, and it's just like they're ninety nine speed. They they catch everything. Like it, it's just it's it's almost like a video game when you're watching the Chiefs. I think that Golden State comparison is is spot on. Um, I just I really do feel bad for for the Bills. I mean, you talk about a team that that goes to four straight Super Bowls, loses all four of them, and then they. I mean, they really obviously they they blow the the defensive coverage in, in that last in the 13 seconds, and then over time they just get torched on that drive. But I mean, like you guys alluded to, I mean Josh Allen really couldn't have played better, and it's they still come up short. Like it, it's one of those that that would hurt. You know, if this was the the Eagles and I I saw them play that well and just to blow blow it on defense really at the end. I mean that that's. That's brutal, um, and that's just that hurts. And, and I was definitely pulling for Buffalo just because they're like that that underdog team, and, and the Chiefs have been here, you know, the last two years in the Super Bowl, and and obviously they they're well on their way to going to another one. So obviously a fantastic game, like you guys you guys said. I mean, uh, I would have definitely hammered. I don't know what the over was, but this game was just like fifty-seven. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, it, it's just. It's unfortunate for the Bills, but I mean Mahomes is Mahomes, and and there's a reason why. But but you guys made great points, and and getting these guys weapons like a Cole Beasley, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson Knox has really come into a, a zone this year as well. So setting up these guys for success is is the biggest thing, and I think like to to talk about Justin Herbert a little bit that that's what he needs. Like he he's I would say on the level, almost on the level of of a Josh Allen. I don't think he's Mahomes yet, but um, you know, he could be that if, if you set him up with the right pieces and in, in, with the Chargers there. And, like, you know, I see the comparison. Like, he's mobile. He's big. He can make any throw. Like, it, it's – so this league is so deep on quarterbacks right now, I would say. Yeah, and, and, and Dave and John, and, and just to get into Aaron's kind of overtake, overtime take here, it, I think everyone in the world watching that game is like, I, whoever wins this coin toss is going to go down and score and win the game. Um, and maybe this might spark a better conversation, but are, what, what are your guys' thoughts on just the overtime rules as they stand in the NFL? Are you guys, do you guys think they should probably go towards more of the college model and kind of give both teams a, a crack at the can, or do you think it's just, you know, it, it's good as is? Stop somebody. <laughs> right. You don't know win, play defense. So that's part of the game too, right? So you're, you didn't, your quarterback didn't get a chance to take a shot. Well, you had a shot. You could have, not let them make like six plays and score a touchdown. Right. You, I think that's a like, it's the back to like what you were saying before about like the end of the game stuff. Like, I guess this difference between a team that's been there like three of the last four years and a team yeah. that's just, just starting to get there, right? They like, I don't want to say the cliche, like you have to win or lose before you can win, right? So, this is their learning experience. And yeah, I don't, there's always going to be an issue with overtime. No matter what anybody does, someone's going to find a reason to complain. You can change it, you cannot change it. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. I think that, uh, like in terms of the overtime, if they did, uh, every, both teams get one possession, I'd be okay with that. I'd also be okay with it being the same thing as it has been here. Um, I was reading something today that Josh Allen in coin tosses was nine and zero. <laughs> he was nine and zero, so that was their hail mary. That was their like we're going to win the game when they sent him out there for the coin toss. They're like, okay, clearly the guy who gets the ball first is going to win. They're like, you know what, Josh? Here's your chance. All right, make this play, call it right. And he's like, yeah, don't worry, guys. I'm nine and zero, AFC Championship game, calling it right now. And then he called tails like an idiot, and <laughs> the game's over. Tails always fails, you could say. Um, yeah, no, it's it's. I I agree. Just to give my take on, it. I mean, I, I I'd rather not see a Penn State Illinois nine overtime game um, and, and just kind of be bored to death there. I, I mean, if you're going to make any changes, I probably would just leave the regular season alone. I, I don't want to see a, a Jets Jaguars game going to 
you know, 10 overtimes in a week three game. But um, to your point, John, if you want to, you know, do one, you know, one possession each, no matter if you score a touchdown or, or a field goal, um, maybe do that. But, but also to your point, Dave, like, yeah, defense is, is half the game. Like stop the team. You, you have the number one defense in the NFL. Um, if you can't give up a touchdown on a make or break possession, that's, that's kind of on you. Um, it's funny. It happened to the Patriots in 2018. I think it was they actually applied for a rule change. Uh, when the Patriots, you know, took it down on them and scored um, in the first possession over time a touchdown. So um, kind of funny it works out for them, obviously, the other way around. But um, like I said, I think everyone in the world probably could have called that game ending after the first possession over time just because of the way um, these two teams were firing all cylinders, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But um, before we close out here, obviously, let's get to get to the championship games. And, and we'll start with the AFC. And, and Dave, I want to get to you because obviously – very much in the Chiefs' corner here. Um, you know, the Bengals have a tough road ahead of them, um, going to, to Arrowhead Stadium, um, obviously against the big, bad Chiefs, especially um, kind of your first time in the playoffs, I guess, for that entire team, organization, coach, et cetera, um, in a long time. Um, what do you kind of expect out of the Chiefs? And, and you know, you, you mentioned it won't be that close, but um, do you see the Bengals putting up any sort of a fight here or no? No, if they keep it within 20, I'll be impressed. <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even anything against the Bengals. They're they're an up and coming team, but they're incomplete. And you just watch the Chiefs have their way with a very complete team in the Bills. When they needed to, they did whatever they wanted, and they got the job done. And just having a good quarterback and two good wide receivers isn't going to be enough. They're, it's going to be like I would say it's going to be like forty to fifteen, something like that. John, same thing. Joe Burrow, Magic's run out. Uh, I would definitely say that the, it's going to be the end of the line for the Bengals here too. Uh, if the Titans are able to sack him nine times, like that's going to be a problem. Even if they get three sacks, even if they get one sack, the, the constant idea of pressure, I think that's going to be in his head after all that. And then the Chiefs are just so good on offense. All they're going to do is dare the Bengals to keep up. And if the Bengals can't keep up, they force Burrow to th- make throws where he doesn't like necessarily feel great about throwing them. Turnovers are gonna uh, are, are gonna show up there too. I just I don't think that they they have it, have the the setup quite yet um, to get to get by the Chiefs. I know that they, they played each other earlier in the season, I believe, yeah. and uh, they talked about seeing each other in the playoffs. And it's kind of the same thing here. I was saying with Dave when we were talking about the Bills and the Chiefs. The Bills celebrated their win in the regular season like it was the bloody Super Bowl when they beat the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs came back and said, all right, thanks, guys. Thanks for that regular season loss. But we're going to go to the AC Championship, and you're going to watch us. I think it's going to be much the same here. The Bengals maybe uh, gave them what they could handle in the regular season, and the Chiefs said, okay, thank you for showing us that, and now we're going to run it down your throat or throw it down their throat, however you want to look at it. But I don't see it going any other way. Aaron, um, Patrick Mahomes' wife um, doused the entire – lower bowl uh, with champagne uh, last night after they won. If, if they do advance to the Super Bowl and win this AFC championship game, or what are we, I mean, we're talking like fireworks out of that, that suite. What are we talking like dumping, you know, shit all over them? What are we, what are we dealing with here? <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know, to, to give my take on the game super quick, I, I think <laughs> you guys are, are spot on as well. Uh, I'm taking, I'm taking chiefs. I think it's uh it's probably 38, like 21 or 38. I'll say 38, 24. Uh, Chiefs win that. Uh, but yeah, I think obviously Patrick Mahomes wife, uh, say what you want about Patrick Mahomes brother. Uh, it's always a circus uh, with those two involved. So uh, yeah, maybe she, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's like multiple bottles this time. Maybe it's like, like you said, maybe she shoots off fireworks into somebody in the crowd and they get seriously injured. Like, I don't know. She doesn't, she doesn't seem to think like much at all. So, uh, yeah, uh, Patrick, Patrick, as good of a quarterback as he is, you got to get his, his girl in check in, in some capacity because I, I can't say those fans that they were happy they won, but then to get champagne poured all over their head, that's, that's a little unpleasant. I would, I would say maybe, maybe a little bit, but, uh, you know, glad they won, but she's, she's a little out of pocket in that respect. A little out of pocket. Uh, all right, folks. Um, I think we'll, we'll be probably the game of the weekend. Um, certainly not to the level that, that Bill's Chiefs was, but Rams 49ers uh, meeting for the third, t- third time this year. 
SoFi Stadium. Um, the Rams have a chance to win this game and stay home uh, for the Super Bowl. I think they'd be the first ever team to do that after um, obviously the Bucs are the first team to, to play a road Super Bowl. But having the NFC Championship game and then the Super Bowl at your home stadium back to back, I think would be pretty legit. Uh, Dave seems to be pretty heavy on the 49ers. John would love to kind of hear where, where you're at. Do you think Matt Stafford, I mean, I know your, your comments earlier lead me to believe you're on 49ers as well, but, but do we have faith in Matt Stafford and the Rams to pull this one out? Yeah. Um, so I predicted that it was going to be Packers Rams here. So I was 50% right. Um, after seeing what they did there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I, I hope that Sean McVay would be able to coach them up a bit here and say, listen, 49ers have kind of had their way with us. What can we do to be successful? And like as uh, critical as I was of Matt Stafford and sort of like who I, I see him as the, the quarterback, I, I, think, I think the Rams are going to win uh, just because they have way more pieces all around like this is, seems like one of those times where like you got all the pieces ready to go to the super bowl you if you're not going to do it now you're never going to do it and i think that they kind of all got that mentality on that team and if they can handle the adversity of the tampa bay buccaneers and uh an offense that can kind of score when they need to score the 49ers are not that team they cannot score whenever they want to score so if they the rams defense and keep the 49ers in check I think that uh, the offense with Stafford throwing a Cooper Cup, OBJ, I don't think that the 49ers are going to be ready to stop that. So I, I'm going to say Rams Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Love it. Uh, Aaron, I am predicting Jimmy G plays so poorly in this game that he gets benched at halftime and we see Trey Lance uh, in, in the second half here. What, what are your thoughts on this game? And are we back in, are we back in Matt Stafford? Dude, this is, this is a tough one for me. I, I really don't. I don't have a, a comfortable feel in this game. Uh, I didn't have a comfortable feel in the Cincinnati-Tennessee game. And, and, like, you know, I kind of reluctantly picked Cincinnati. I think I think the Rams are going to win this, but uh, you can't you can't turn the ball over. Uh, and, and Matt Stafford, like like they uh, – you guys had alluded to, um, John specifically, like I don't fully trust Matt Stafford too, uh, as well to, to piggyback that Jimmy, Jimmy G. I don't trust at all, but, um, I trust their running game. I do trust their defense to, to obviously, uh, keep up, but you are talking about a team with, you know, uh, Odell, I think putting Odell in the mix, obviously Cooper cup's going to command a lot of attention as well. Um, I just think somehow, some way the Rams do win this in a, in a close game. I think this is going to be a, a battle for sure. Um, but I would not be even shocked if the 49ers win, but I, I will pick, take the Rams probably by three or, or by five, some, somewhere around there. Three or five, place your bets. Uh, Aaron's always going to go with this guy, Andy Reid, going to fight with him to the, to the death uh, as long as he's in the league. Aaron's, I mean, Aaron actually is anti-dynasty. Uh, so he, I think he just wants the Chiefs to like lose at this point. Uh, but I think Aaron, no matter what, will go with Chiefs and uh this year, well, Dave, Dave, and John, I, I, I really enjoyed um, this podcast for sure. Would love to maybe do something else after the NFL season. Maybe just kind of you know recapping Championship Weekend and the Super Bowl as well, kind of leading up to draft. Uh, would love to kind of get into the Steelers and Chargers and then kind of how you guys came to be up with those teams and kind of where you're at with those organizations. Obviously, maybe heading in in different directions. Sorry, Dave, uh, but you had your run there. Obviously, both teams better than the Jets, so. I'll give you that much, but uh, level the playing field podcast guys um, very much appreciate your time. Like I said, and you just give our listeners uh, maybe where they can find you um, and just kind of what, what topics and what kind of content they can expect out of you guys. Yeah. We're everywhere. Uh, wherever you consume your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, good pods, whatever, everything, literally everything. Um, yeah, we talk a lot of sports. Uh, John and I, we like different sports, but we overlap on football and basketball. So we tend to, because we can both speak on both those sports, we tend to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, we go off sports sometimes. Like if some find something interesting going on in the news or whatever, something in our lives. Yeah, I was just, I was just going to add that we do a grievance of the week and a happy moment of the week. So that's something that uh, we enjoy doing. And then we're both dads. So uh, that 
gets uh, thrown in the mix every once in a while with uh, whether our kids are trying to show up during our recording <laughs> or uh, they've just done something during the week that we find hilarious. So uh, it's a, it's a bit, it's just basically about our lives and sports is a huge part of our lives. So we end up talking about that a lot. Love it. Good stuff. Aaron, give us a final, give us a final word. Take us home, my friend. Yeah. Pr- appreciate you guys hopping on with us. Um, this will, this will be posted to a, a variety of different, uh, podcast avenues as well and, and you know appreciate the time and, and glad we got to talk about these games and, and definitely excited for this weekend coming up um, yeah that, appreciate you guys coming on tonight for sure thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us guys